All right, good morning, guys. Welcome to the group coaching call. Hope everyone had a great and very productive week. Uh, we're approaching the end of August really, really fast. So I hope everyone who set goals in the monthly goals section are well on their way to achieving them. And just to set the expectation for this call, we're going to talk a little bit about my journey as an entrepreneur, um, both with my agency and some other things I did before that. We're going to talk about offer building, value laddering, and focus in business. These are all things that if I had to talk to a beginner and they asked me, you know, what have been the biggest things you've done differently to help you succeed as an entrepreneur, this is exactly the talk I would give. So I think you guys are going to find this really valuable. Um, for the remaining time, we'll be doing an Instagram and entrepreneurship Q&A. Um, as always, you'll have access to myself and the group to ask questions and get them answered. So without further ado, let's get on to the topic of conversation today. Um, so like I already said, today we're going to be talking a bit about my journey um, in business, offer building, and very importantly, focus. Um, so very first, let's just talk about what I've done and what I do. For those of you who don't know, I currently run a social media marketing agency. We work primarily with real estate agents to generate them more leads using Instagram and Facebook. But you know, this, um, you know, this business has actually been a pretty new thing for me. I've been doing it for maybe 14, 15 months at this point. I don't actually know. But before I started this all, back in 2015, 2016, I kind of had this you know, thought in the back of my head that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Everyone, I think, wants to be an entrepreneur. I haven't met a whole lot of people who aren't very entrepreneurial or have a desire to do the things that they see the entrepreneurs do. Um, you know, I had a bit of an ego going in, and I was pretty familiar with a lot of business things. I was deep into it. Um, I was a stock boy. I was into finance. I even owned a little bit of Bitcoin and Ethereum back in 2016. Um, so, you know, I was really deep in this industry, but I was trying a lot of different things. I didn't really have a business at that point. I was just doing things. I was a little kid. Um, but my biggest opportunity at that time came when I met someone called Avant Patel. Um, he owns a company called Smile Middle in India. He offered me a commission on his artwork if I could sell it in the U.S. Um, what Smile Middle does is they take your picture and they will draw it. They will paint it, basically. Um, you know, they take a picture and they turn it into art. So he basically was having a problem getting people in the U.S. to buy his product, and he reached out to me, and he said, hey, I'll give you a commission if you can do that. So um, I did that for a bit. You know, I was running under my own brand name. We called it Opulent Art. We were basically selling art and then labeling it as our own product and then giving the orders to Avant to fulfill. So, you know, it worked out pretty well for a little kid. I was doing all right. Um, you know, I used to be very into photography, and I had a small page that showcased my work, so this kind of played to my talents. So it worked well for a little bit, but it was definitely not going to get me, you know, to six or seven figures. So then I had the realization that Instagram was free. You know, like I said, I used to be very into photography and I had a very small photography page where I would pretty much just showcase things that I've taken pictures of. It wasn't very good, to be honest with you. I was a little kid, but the thought was there. I had a page and I think I had a few hundred followers, you know, I was pretty proud of it. Um, but I let this page sit dormant for a little while and then I had this idea one day that I was going to turn it into a meme page. That's really funny, but it's absolutely true. That was my first experience with Instagram. Um, I made a meme page, and I actually did pretty well. Um, I met Mild. He's in the server. I started helping some other people in the meme page community grow their page, but I wasn't an expert at Instagram by any means, um, and I wasn't exceptional. I had a few thousand followers. You know, It was going well, but definitely wasn't where I'm at now. Um, the biggest shift was when I got into math and data. Um, I had taken some intro to data science courses online, and I got addicted to Excel sheets around this time. I mean, I had an Excel sheet for about everything. I still do. I track everything in Excel sheets or Google sheets. It was my new secret passion, you know, just measuring stuff. And then one day I had this thought, what if I could use data to grow an Instagram account? 
you know, I had this understanding that Instagram used algorithms. So I had this theory that any approach to growing on the platform should very naturally be data oriented. Um, I wanted to sort of reverse engineer that algorithm, if you will. So I spent the next eight months working to test a slew of different variables and figure out how to actually crack the Instagram algorithm. Um, and it sort of worked, you know, the algorithm or algorithms rather are a lot more complex than anyone gives credit to. Um, it's, it's, it's very difficult to, you know, refined reverse engineer those algorithms, but I learned the meta from the numbers and I used it to grow my own pages to a grand total of 1.2 million followers, you know, which at the time was huge. I was a big shot. I was having a really good time. Um, it was brilliant. You know, my ego was through the roof, but there was hardly any money in it. I had over a million followers, but still, even with promotions and things like that, I just wasn't making all that much money. I didn't get into it to make money. I never started the project for money, but you know, I thought it'd be nice to make some. And I kind of thought that this would be my next big business venture. I then had the realization that businesses could potentially make a lot more from my traffic than I was. You know, I was creating the traffic. I wanted to own the traffic so I could just advertise my own products and things like that. But I struggled to build a business off my theme pages alone. Um, you know, everyone that I was friends with at the time knew that I was really deep into Instagram and such like that. Um, and one day my friend called me and she said, you know, I know you're into Instagram. She asked me if I would talk to her mom and give her mom some Instagram advice, um, which is a little funny, but her mom ran a nonprofit. They worked to educate um, women on breast cancer, um, and her main platform was Instagram, but they were struggling to get visibility because she's 50 and she has no idea how the platform works. So she asked for my help, and I got in a call with them. I sat there on that call for, I believe, two hours, and I just talked everything Instagram. I talked about all my research. I talked about everything I knew, and then the question came. They asked, can we hire you? And then I had never had a question before like that. You know, it hadn't even occurred to me at this point that people would want to hire me for what I knew. Um, I didn't even know what to charge or how to help them. But, you know, I saw the opportunity there. Um, I had expressed my value in this call and I had my first sort of agency client. It wasn't an agency at this time, but I had my first client um, and it went really well, actually. We got them great results, of course, because it would be mathematically impossible for us not to. Um, and then at that point, I realized I want to start an agency. You know, she kept saying to me, you could start a business off this. You should start a business off this. And then it kind of reinforced the idea that, you know, I should start a business off this. Um, so I sprang into action and I spent three months making a logo. I'm not kidding on that. I sat there on Canva probably for three months doing things that didn't matter. And the funny thing is the logo I have right now is not even the one that I really designed. I made the rough outline of it, but I actually hired a graphic designer to really touch it up for me. So I spent three months doing something that didn't move the needle forward. Um, I didn't have a clear action plan and I spent three months doing useless garbage. I spiraled for a few months um, until I got on Reddit and you know, me at the time was obsessed with the data behind Instagram and the algorithms. And I started talking about my work on Instagram. I got a bunch of DMs from, you know, marketers and people who were trying to grow Instagram pages and they wanted to talk to me. So I got on the phone and I did it. We had a talk. Um, I gave them a free consultation and they wanted to hire me. And again, I wasn't even pitching this. So at this point, this kind of reinforces the idea that I have intrinsic value. What I'm doing is working. People want to hire me, but I'm having a hard time getting the structure down. And at this point, you know, I had a, a little direction, um, a little revenue, but things weren't going great yet. And then I found Upwork. I started reading books on the topic. I started getting aggressive and here we are today. Now I expedited that last probably, probably 14 months, that part right there, but we're going to get back to that. Um, I'm going to talk about the main differences that took me from being this poor broke freelancer kid who has no idea how to start a business, no idea what they're doing to the point I'm at right now. I'm going to talk about the biggest realizations and the biggest things that have moved me forward. So I've already talked about my background a little bit. 
Um, let's talk about some of the big things that I firmly believe makes my agency more successful than our competitors, right? So the very first thing is offer building, which gets onto the second theme of this call. Really quick disclaimer, guys. A lot of this theory is pulled from Russell Brunson. If you're interested in learning more about this stuff, definitely check out his books. Um, I actually had Dotcom Secrets. It's a book of his open to structure this call. I took notes on it, and I think that you guys would find that really valuable if you're into this stuff. Um, but quick premise too, business is competitive. You know, the word company is literally derived from that of a military company. You'll hear about workers being on the front lines a lot of the times. You'll hear industry leaders parallel themselves to generals at war. I know Gary Vee likes to say that he's, he's an army man a lot of the time, but to stick with the cliches and talk about offer building in context to this military metaphor, when you build a business, the very first and most fundamental thing is your offer. Um, you know, I talked a bit about how I sat on my butt for three months and worked on the logo, but what's most important is creating an offer that sells. In the agency space, the biggest problem I see is that agencies, they're all selling the same thing. Um, in my industry, everyone sells Facebook ads, and you know, I think Facebook ads are great. I sell Facebook ads, but business owners get pitched this every day. Your offer isn't unique, and your adversary has a prepared for this approach. So really quickly, guys, if you sell a product or a service, you sell what's called a commodity. A commodity is basically anything that can be bought from other people. It's something that isn't differentiated, it isn't unique because I can buy it from anyone. This is why competing on price is a terrible idea. If you're thinking about starting your business and competing on price, there's nothing that kills your business faster than the lack of money. Money is to your business what oxygen is to your brain. Without that, you'll choke. So there's always going to be someone who's willing to compete with you on price, and there's always going to be someone who's willing to go out of business first. So. We're gonna work on reframing our commodity, something that we have that everyone else can sell, it's not unique, into an offer. What's the difference? An offer is basically a bundle. It takes a commodity, something that everyone can sell, and adds value so that you can have a unique value proposition, sell it at a higher price, and build a reputation. So let's put this into context. I know that was a lot of jargon. Russell Brunson tells the story of this young girl and she's a babysitter. Now, her problem is that, you know, everyone her age is a babysitter. They're a dime a dozen. She's having a hard time getting business, and she obviously can't charge more than the market rate of, let's just say, $5 per hour, because if she raises her prices, she'll be replaced. They can hire Sarah from down the road. She's in a market structure. They call it perfect competition, and it's a really hard nut to crack. But the solution to this is to build an offer. Now, I imagine a lot of you are in industries where you're selling something that isn't exactly unique. So we need to differentiate ourselves, and the way we do that, and the way that my agency does it, is we have an offer that really sells well. So what was this girl's offer? Instead of just being a babysitter, she offers to read to the kids. She offers to get them in bed by a certain time. She offers to bring them healthy snacks. She offers to wash the dishes. She offers to bake the parents' treats for when they get home. She offers to help them with their homework. Now, these are all things that she probably would have been doing anyways. But when she adds them to her offer, she's not just babysitting. She's doing all these positive things that makes her ooh, superb babysitter. So the idea is that we're taking something that everyone can offer and we're adding different things onto it. And a lot of the times we want to make these things very accessible for us or free. And by doing this, we've created an offer that differentiates us. So how do I do this in my business? So like I've already said, I work with real estate agents to generate more leads. Lots of other agencies do that. Uh, most agencies are just working to make social media content or ads, but something differently we've been doing is we set up Google My Business profiles. We actually create booking pages for our agents. We create link trees for them. Um, we're looking into starting to send housewarming gifts on behalf of our clients. 
Um, my most recent project, I've been walking around my area and collecting over 100 business cards so I can model the perfect business card for my agents. You know, not other, other agencies aren't doing all these things that make their offer more comprehensive. We're adding a lot of different things on here that give the agents more value, but they're cost efficient for us. I have a graphic design team, so to do business cards is not a hard thing to do. Um, setting up booking pages, also very easy to do. Um, just little things that I realize, you know, my agents can find value in this. Um, let's just see. And what I did actually is I went out and I said, hey, what do you guys need? What are the biggest problems that you face in your industry? Um, I got on calls with people without the intent to sell them, just to sit down and talk to them. What are your biggest problems as an agent and what service could solve those problems? I sat down and I listened. I think that's really important. Um, just sitting down and listening to your target audience. If you ask people what they want, they'll tell you. Um, really quick, I just want to bring up a quick allegory. There is a nonprofit. It's called Embrace. And I read about it um, a few weeks ago, actually. Basically, Embrace makes these incubators. Um, every year, uh, over 4 million babies die in the first 28 days of being born because they don't have enough fat on their bodies to maintain homeostasis. So a lot of the times in our first world countries, they'll put these babies in incubators to help them stay warm. Um, the problem is in third world countries, they don't have incubators. Every incubator in the U.S. costs about $20,000. So Embrace, which is a nonprofit, set out to make incubators at $2,000 a piece. And they spent all this money, all this time developing these incubators. And then they took these incubators to Nepal to deliver them. And then they realized that 80% of babies born in third world countries aren't even born in hospitals. They're born at home, which means that these incubators they just designed are completely useless. You know, they've spent all this time, all this money to hire these experts to build these incubators, but they didn't even look at the root of the problem. They didn't bother to go to Nepal and see what does this problem look like. That little piece of context is incredibly important. And I think the same works for your business. So I hope, th I hope that allegory makes sense to you all. Um, but the idea is that we need to create an offer. I, I know that kind of went off the tracks there, but we need to create an offer that makes us different. Um, and the best way to do that is just to talk to people. That context is important. Just listen to your audience. Even offer to get in calls with people for free and just listen. Um, you know, if the people, if Embrace had sat down and listened to the people who are actually facing this problem, they would have known that this is a problem at home, not a problem at the hospitals. They needed to design an incubator that could be used at home. And they had to do that. They actually, they make these like pouches that sit in these warm water, I believe it is, or maybe it's a gel and it keeps the babies warm. But um, you know, that context is important. So instead of assuming that you know your target audience and your target market and that your business plan is brilliant, talk to someone who's in the industry and see, does this solution actually solve the problem that they have? I think that's incredibly important. Um, and that's what everything that we've added to our offer does. It solves the problem that they have. And we sat down and we interviewed our clients and we interviewed real estate agents and we said, you know, what are your biggest problems? And then we created solutions to it. They had a problem with generating leads. So we found a way to generate leads. They had a problem with qualifying leads. So we set up a way to do that. Um, they had a problem with setting appointments. So we created booking pages. You know, everything we did is meant to address one of these problems. So I think there's some great takeaways there. Um, and the moral of the story here is don't sell commodities create offers and sell those. Now, really quickly, this is something that we've done over many, many months building out this offer. Now it's a little bit more complex than what it started with. Um, but yeah, that's where we're at right now. The next thing that I want to talk about is called value laddering. So we talked about making our commodities an offer, which is brilliant for getting customers through the door. But the hard part is retention. My agency, you know, the idea with an agency is that your customers will pay you month after month. Um, one of the problems I found early on in my agency career was that when I did actually manage to sign clients 
they didn't stay long enough to truly call that revenue monthly recurring revenue. Um, and the problem with that is that we were creating value up front, but you know, after we delivered our service, once we got them followers, there was nothing beyond that. Followers are great, but followers aren't money. So what I had to do is I had to create a value ladder. The idea is that with your first offer, you'll either create value for them or you'll put yourself in a position where the next thing that you have to offer to them is going to give them more value. So for example, um, a lot of the times what you'll see, what um, like course sellers do is they'll give away a free ebook online and that's the front end offer. It's cheap or free, um, very easy to get people to buy into that front end offer. People read the book, they get value, and then at the end of the book it says, if you enjoyed this book, join my seminar. Um, and this, this is the mid-tier offer. The idea is that with our first offer, we have a call to action to upsell our clients onto the next offer. So they join the seminar, they get great value from that, and then they join a high-ticket coaching service, let's just say, for $5,000 a month. Because in the mastermind, they get more value out of that, and then they realize you know, they build enough trust and report through that process that they're ready to spend more money with you. Um, and marketing what we do, actually, the very first thing we do is we download a client relation management system and we see who buys from us the most and how can we market to that same person again. Because someone who's already bought from you is a great prospect to market to. They're more likely to buy from you again. So the value ladder does the same thing. Instead of just having one offer, have two or three and have them strategically set up so that one offer will lead to the next offer. So in my agency, what we do is when we sign clients, we only sign them on this one bottom tier offer, which is content creation. We'll spend one to three months optimizing their social media profiles and creating content. And then in month three, we'll upsell them a Facebook ads campaign. Now, the reason we do this is because Facebook ad campaigns are more expensive, which means we need to get more trust for people to buy in. We spend those first one to three months getting our clients to really trust and like us so that when we pitch them a higher ticket service, they're more likely to say yes because they already know us. Also, this works strategically into our value. So Facebook ads convert better, obviously, when the profiles that they're run on look better. Simply put, if we design social media profiles and content that's engaging, looks good, when we run ads, we'll have a higher conversion rate. So the idea is that each of these offers support themselves, but I have an offer that is an intro offer and designed to eventually get them to upsell onto that second offer on our value ladder. So the idea here, guys, is that you should never sell a one-off service. Even if you're selling a product, that product should be an intro to something else. If you're building a business and you can structure your offer in a way that people will be able to easily upsell themselves, you're going to be very successful. <laughs> I hope that all makes sense to you guys. Um, so we talked a bit about offer building. Um, I'm not going to get too into the marketing stuff, guys, because I know we can get really, really micro with it. But I hope you guys found some value in seeing, you know, my agency had this problem where we couldn't get people to stay with us for a long time. And the problem was that our offer was bad. Really, a business is only as good as its offer and how well it can deliver it. So if you're looking to start a business, guys, the very first thing you should do is create an offer that turns your commodity, and I sell a commodity too. Anyone can buy social media marketing services. I guarantee if a real estate agent wanted to hire an agency, they could find one in five minutes to contact. Very easy to do. Um, but with that pre-frame, we've just basically taken our offer and we've made it different, we made it better. It's easy to sell that first offer now because it's different. And then once we sold that first offer, we're able to get more money out of our clients because we're giving them more value as we move along that value ladder. So one of, one of the themes that I want to reiterate on here is now focus. Um, we talked a bit about you know making these very complex offer systems, and at the beginning I didn't do this. I was very focused on just one thing, and I think that's great advice. If you're starting a business, just start with one thing, and then once that thing is successful and sort of on autopilot, then you can branch out into new products. But work on perfecting one thing first. 
Um, the largest catalyst to my growth and success have been focus. I believe it was Picasso who said, without solitude, no serious work is possible. Um, I firmly believe that. Um, I now go into something I call monk mode every so often. I basically throw out my phone, lock myself in a room, and I just focus. I actually have this little clock. If you follow me on Instagram, at TheTyLivesy, you would have seen my story yesterday. I have this little clock that I take with me, so I put it on my desk so I don't have to look at my phone to see what time it is. Um, just little things that help me keep my focus. The idea is that monk mode helps me get good productive work done, not logo building, because I spent three months building a logo. Now I'm more focused on those revenue generating activities, focused on what's moving the needle forward. But that was a lesson I had to learn. I had to learn that there are certain things that matter more than others, and you'll have to find that balance. And that's what we're going to talk about next. I think focus is so important, um, but focus needs to be executed directly the correct way. Um, 80% of that monk mode from 2018 to 2020 was wasted. Um, it's all about knowing where to put your efforts. And I'm sure many of you have heard of this. It's called the, I believe it's pronounced Pareto Principle. Um, it's this idea that 80% of the results come from 20% of the efforts. And you'll see that in a slew of different fields, right? This isn't just business. I think this happens everywhere else in the world as well. Um, but Warren Buffett, I'm sure you guys are all familiar with him. Um, his wealth is primarily the result of only 10 investments. He doesn't need to be right every time, just a few times. He's focused on making these very high quality decisions that at the end of the day, yield him more over a longer period of time. Similarly, one word that both Warren Buffett and Bill Gates said was the secret to their success was focus. So don't just take it from you guys. Um, this is something that I've seen as a repetitive thread in entrepreneurship, that focus is so important. And that's why I do deep work blocks. Um, I'll set up a time every day where I sit down and I just work on my business. I take time also to just stop and think. I don't think people do that enough. People, everything is so fast paced right now. No one can even remember what it's like to be bored anymore. I mean, just, just take some time some days. Get away from your phone. Sit down and think or write or read or just take some time to do whatever you want. Don't be so hyper-focused on what you're working on because that's not where that ingenuity and that success comes from. It comes from that creativity that beats saturation, right? So I hope that is, is valuable to you guys. You can see the direct effect of focus and what that did for my business. You know, once I focused, I sat down, and I listened. I listened to these agents and then I built an offer that was able to help them. And I wouldn't have done that if I was focusing on the wrong things. If I was focused on building my website, which I did focus on, I wasted a lot of time building a website that has, to this day, I don't think ever landed me a client. Um, you know, I focused a lot of time on my logo. I focused on the wrong things. And that's just a part of being a new entrepreneur. There are different pitfalls you find that, I think everyone does this. I hear this from a lot of different people. They say, you know, when I started out as an entrepreneur, I faced the same problems that you did. So. I hope you guys take, have some great takeaways from this. Um, really quick, I want to talk about the downsides of this journey and this offer and everything else as well. Um, I've talked about my journey, and that's taken over five years at this point. And just now, I feel like I'm heating up. You know, a lot of the success didn't come until the last year, maybe the last even six months. It doesn't come quickly. It's hard, and it's frustrating, and every day you'll find new problems. Even once I found that winning offer, I still had to create a value ladder so I could retain those clients. Um, you know, I face different problems all throughout my system. Every day I find new problems to have to deal with, but that's just a part of being an entrepreneur is your problem solving and a profit. Um, at the end of the day, it's about doing a million small things to move your business in the right direction, but also really focusing on that priority. Um, the word priority came into the English language in the 1400s, and at the time it was singular. It was never meant to be priorities. It was just meant to be a singular priority. Um, it was meant to mean the one thing that you do before anything else. Focus on one thing, guys, in business. If you're starting a business, don't get super complex. 
just think what can I do to solve their problem and how can I do that the best I possibly can. So I solved one problem, but everything that I've added onto my offer also works to solve that same problem. We're trying to generate leads and we're doing so comprehensively. At the beginning, I was just doing content marketing, but at this point, I've evolved now to see that there's all these other small things that we can add on to our offer that is going to just give our clients more value and do it cost-effectively. And that's the big difference, is that agencies aren't thinking the way we're doing it. I've never, I've never heard of an agency owner who gets on a call to not make a sale. I genuinely took the time to sit down with all these different people that I serve and listen to them. I think that's so important. Um, another thing here is that there is an opportunity cost. Uh, when I went into monk mode from 2018 to 2020, that was a really dark time for me. Um, you know, business is not easy, but having to focus like that, um, have that opportunity cost, it's a scary thing. You know, I lost all my friends becoming, I came obsessed with this work. Um, anyone who knew me before I started my business doesn't know me now. I had to change myself fundamentally and get addicted to that struggle to get to where I'm at. And at the end of the day, I don't think it was a healthy trade-off. And at the end of the day, there's no solutions. There's only trade-offs. Um, I want to leave you guys with a quick allegory. Um, Eastern Airline Flight 401. Some of you may have heard this story. Um, back in, I believe, 1972, this plane was flying in the Everglades, um, carrying over 100 passengers, and it was one of the first wide-body jets of its time, designed by Lockheed. And the plane crashed. It was one of the worst devastating airline accidents in U.S. history. Killed over 100 people. Um, at the end of the day, the FAA came in, and they did their investigation, and they found... There was nothing functionally wrong with the plane. Everything worked exactly how it was intended to. They get this black box inside of the cockpit and it tells you, you know, what went wrong? Why did this plane crash? And when they recovered the box, they found that there was nothing wrong with the plane. There was no reason it should have crashed. What happened was, on the inside of the cockpit, there's this little light that's supposed to light up green when the landing gear comes down. They were trying to land. Um, and they had lowered the landing gear, but the light had not turned on. All the pilots were looking at the light trying to figure out why isn't this light turning on and because they were so hyper focused on the light they weren't watching the altitude they crashed their plane watching this light they were focused on the wrong thing they got hyper focused on something that wasn't even the problem and that created a new problem so at the end of the day just understand that focus is incredibly important but focusing on the right things is far more important don't get distracted in the things that don't matter um, and in business there's a lot of distractions um, another thing here is that I had, I had to take all five of those years to really build my offer, get good at what I do, and now sell it at the scale that I'm selling it at. So I, I just want you guys to understand that when I talk about business, it's never as easy as it may sound. You know, I, I think I posted in FlexZone the other day, I had like a $1,000 payment, and absolutely cool, but that was not overnight by any sense. Um, I, I've only shown you guys maybe in this call 3% of what my business actually does. I mean, there's a million moving parts behind the scenes and there's a struggle that comes with it. So if you guys are getting into entrepreneurship, just know that patience and focus are going to be your best friend. So many people switch business models. They get what's called shiny object syndrome. They see someone else, they see a drop shipper on YouTube and they say, I'm going to try drop shipping and they try drop shipping, but they don't commit to it. They try it for three months or six months and then they quit. You know, I've been here for 13 months now and a majority of my results come from the last three. So hope you guys found some value in that talk. Um, hopefully you guys have a better idea how to structure your offer and have a better understanding of what it takes to really make that offer succeed. And that's going to be focus and that's going to be listening. I mean, I think there's a lot of great points from that talk, but I hope you guys found it truly valuable. Um, that's all I have for the conversation today. We're free to move into the call questions channel now. Hope you guys found some value in it. Um, let's see here. So, hey, Ty, you on your personal, you mentioned an upcoming internship offer at your agency. Any more info on that? 
Yes. So I do want to start taking on interns. Um, the big thing with internships, I've actually talked to a few people about this. Um, people have asked me, can I get an internship? It's kind of difficult for me because I do want to do internships. Um, but the idea is that I want our internships to be very value packed. If I can't provide you guys a far superior internship opportunity, then I don't want to offer it at all. So I'm working on creating an internship opportunity, but first I have to build out a system that really helps you guys succeed. And at the end of the day, everyone in my company, I don't want them to work for me in 10 years. If they want to work for me in 10 years, absolutely fine. But I train all my employees to focus on personal growth. Um, that's actually a part of our company culture is that we're training our people not to be employers, but to be or employees rather, but to be entrepreneurs. So same thing for the internship. I have to create an offer there that I think is really astounding. I have to create an offer that plays perfectly into the talk for today. Um, and I talked to actually Timo about this because um, he's looking to get an internship done. And I told him that I'm, it's probably going to be a month until I'm actually able to have any semblance of an offer for you because I really want it to be truly valuable. I want you to get more than you give. And I think that would take time for me to build a perfect offer. So I am working on creating an offer for that, but it's going to take me some time because I really want it to be good. So if you guys have any input um, on what a good internship looks like, definitely hit me up because I, I talked about the fundamentals, right? Obviously, we want them to get hands-on experience. Um, I want to do one-on-ones with my interns. I want to give them books that they can read. Uh, I want to help them set goals. And eventually, I want to help them maybe even launch their own agency or do whatever it is they, they want. You know, I want them to move forward purposely in the right direction. So I am working on creating an internship offer, but it's going to be a little longer. Um, Dahubi, I think I answered your question. Let me know if you have any more questions about that because I talked a bit about how I started my agency. Um, it was kind of an accident. It was never as premeditated as I make it out to be now, but um, it was definitely a journey. So I think that I provided a lot of context in that. Let me know if you have any other questions about that. Okay, here's an Instagram-related question. How significant are stories for growing account and maintaining engagement? And are stories necessary? Absolutely. Stories are my favorite way to maintain engagement and grow accounts. Um, the reason being is because with stories, you can add interactive elements, things like where you vote yes or no on. And when people click that button and people are, it's a lot easier to click that button than to like a post for whatever reason. Um, when people click that button, it tells the algorithm that they're engaged with the content and it will show them more of your feed posts. The best way to do this is to post like three to five stories every day, but post them at different times. Because when you post a story, it's pretty much chronological. It pops up. It's not entirely chronological, but it'll pop up closer to the front. And then when people click on that, and maybe if they engage with an element of the story, that's going to show them the next story and the next feed post. So stories are great for maintaining engagement. Growing accounts, a little bit less. Um, you can use hashtags on stories, and I don't think a lot of people realize that. Not a lot of people utilize that for sure, but yes, stories are absolutely incredible for maintaining engagement. And in a way, engagement grows your, your page, right? Because if you can get a lot of engagement, you can rank on hashtags, you can rank on explore, you can get your reels to go viral. So stories are kind of like that secret sauce that we add in to really catalyze our growth on Instagram. So glad you asked that question. Great question. Thank you so much for that, Elvin. Uh, Jax says, first time to the call. Really excited. Really excited to have you here, Jax. Um, it's always awesome when we get new people in here. Because I feel like a lot of the times it's the same people here, but I really want to give you guys as much value as I can. And I think it's great just being able to sit here and talk to you all. I mean, a lot of people have questions for different people, but they don't absolutely get the opportunity to. But I'm here every week. So if you guys ever have a question for me, um, you always have access to me. I know that I'm not the best at DMs, but here I am. So if you have questions, now's your time to ask them. Um, and if you guys have questions, feel free to put them in the call questions channel. Um, I'll be answering them as they come in. How to promote an affiliate offer. 
that's an interesting one because I've never actually done affiliate marketing. Um, definitely not my field of expertise. How do I promote affiliate offer? I believe the affiliate offers is like the plugin thing like that. Um, I know Dati, you know, something that I think is applicable to every business here is knowing your numbers. Um, if you're just measuring how different ads and different um, different stories and things like that perform, you'll be able to better optimize your offer and different test different things. Only change one thing at a time. But when you split test variables like that, you'll basically see what works better. And if you can do that every day, eventually you'll find an ad or you'll learn what works really well to promote that offer. Um, for that, I think the best advice I have for you is to track your numbers, test different things, see what works, and then double down on what is scalable. Um, I know that's not exactly the answer you're looking for. I wish I had something more concrete and actionable to give you, but I don't have any experience in that industry. But um, reach out to Dati. He's in this call right now, I believe. He used the plug, and I know he was making like $70 a week pretty passively with it. But um, the way he explained it to me is that he had sat there and he had split tested all these different ads, and he had really tried to optimize and see what works best here. So I think he may have some great advice for you on that. Um, I usually post my ad at the end of the story post. Oh, making it a carousel. Okay. Yeah, that's a great way to do it. Um, post the ad after. Uh, make it a carousel because carousels get more engagement. If you guys don't know this, when you post a carousel and your followers don't swipe through every slide, it basically registers that as a not view. So if I see your carousel in my feed, but I don't swipe all the way to the end, and then I refresh my feed, there's a chance that it's going to pop back up at the top, which of course gives me more opportunities to engage with it. So um, yeah, carousels are absolutely a great way to promote an affiliate offer. Uh, I thought you meant more specific about what offer it looks like and what the ads look like, but yeah, putting them in carousels and stuff like that, that's huge. Um, if you were to have a job in something different or if you were to get into a different business, what would it be? At the end of the day, I still really want to be um, an economist. That's what I'm going to school to be, um, and that's been my focus. And that's why I really got into that data science stuff is because um, in economics, we use a lot of data to make informed decisions. So I do want to get back into that one day. I want to do research in it, um, specifically in the field of fiscal policy. I think economics is one of the most important things in our world. Um, it dictates everything from... <laughs> what school you go to, to healthcare, and all sorts of things like that. So, I mean, there's so many applications for that, and I think that's something that could really use my talent, um, and it's purposeful. So I really do love economics, and I'm going to get back to it, but um, I think I'll probably spend a little time focusing on this business because right now I feel like I have the opportunity of a lifetime to just be able to sit here. Uh, if I can scale this up, you know, I may never have to work a job. I can do this and make my first seven figures off my agency, and then that gives me a lot of freedom and mobility that pays for grad school. So... That's something that you can't really, at the end of the day, trade off. So I, I may take a, a break from economics to work on the agency, but at the end of the day, I do want to come back to that. Um, do you schedule your stories for your clients? Absolutely. Yeah, so we actually design stories and feed posts. Um, a lot of the times what we like to do is we like to build templates and recycle content. The idea is with my business is we're trying to optimize. We're trying to get more for less. So the way we do that is we'll take a... We'll take a feed post idea and then we'll make different iterations of it and then we'll adapt that to the client's page which is like their color palette um, things like their logo um, pictures of them etc and then we'll adapt that to all these different client pages and that does include stories so we'll build out these templates that are easily customizable um, and can sort of be recycled from client to client they're not the same by any means they, they are personalized but um, we have a rough place to start with with our designers and that lets us do stories and feed posts both cost efficiently and time effectively so Yes, we do do stories. Feel free to ask questions in the call questions channel, guys. Um, we do have a little bit of time left, so I'm probably going to be here till 11. We have about 20 minutes left, so 
feel free to ask me anything. It doesn't have to be about Instagram. It could be about entrepreneurship, digital marketing. It could be about whatever you guys want. It could be about past talks we've done. It doesn't even matter. There's no rules. Oh, yeah, you can schedule stories for sure. Um, we use something called later.com. That's the platform we use. We pay for it because we have VAs that help schedule things. So that's what we use for that. Um, so this question says, I'm starting university this year. My faculty is economics. What would be your advice for me? Economics is brilliant because there's so many different approaches you can take to it. There's different schools of thought about economics. You can take either uh, a qualitative or a quantitative approach. Um, one of my majors, actually, I'm a double major. I study economics and political science, and there's a huge tangent between the two. I mean, economics affects policy, and policy affects economics. So really, for economics, it's all about the ecosystem. That right there in the root there. Um, economics is not about just money. Um, if you ever read... Stephen Levitz, he has a book called Freakonomics, and he basically applies economics to the slew of different things that isn't money. He talks about um, why people cheat, why teachers um, help people cheat on the SAT, talks about sumo wrestlers. He talks about all these different things that have this economic effect. We can apply these economic laws and principles to everything, even beyond business. And I think that's the coolest thing about economics is that it's fundamentally just how we create relationships and trade-offs with each other. So... Um, my advice to you would be to be comprehensive in your study. Look into policy. Look into social studies. I mean, this, it's more than just the markets and money. There's so much that go into it. So just try to have a comprehensive understanding. If you're going to study economics, understand that it's more than just data and graphs. There's other stuff too. Can you schedule interactive stories? I don't believe you can actually. Um, can you schedule interactive stories? That's a good question. If anyone has an answer to that, please put it in the chat because I'm not 100% sure on that. Um, we all know how focus or how crucial it is to be focused on tasks, tasks that are purposeful. Do you use any apps or anything to help you with this? I've heard you use the Pomodoro technique. Yep, so the Pomodoro technique is absolutely something I use. Like I said earlier, I have this little clock that I take with me everywhere I go. Um, I use that to check the time so I don't get focused. Um, I do use Google calendars. I do at the be very beginning of every day. I structure my day. I plan it out. Um, I build in time to just sit down and do nothing because I think that's really important. Um, but I think Google Calendar is the only one. I use Google Calendar and I use Calendly. Calendly automatically syncs my appointments. So when I have calls, either with my team or with my clients, they book it in with me and then it blocks it out on my calendar. So that's really important to use if you are getting into the digital marketing space and you're taking meetings like that. I think having a calendar that integrates with your booking system is really important. Um, can someone scale up using the Plug app? Um, by that, I think you mean, can you make a full-time income with the plug app? Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I don't, I, I genuinely don't think so. I think the plug is a nice little side income. I don't think it's a full-time income. I think it'd be very difficult. You'd have to have a lot of different pages and you have to really grind them, I think, to make a full-time income. Um, I've, I have no experience with the plug, to be frankly honest with you guys. A lot of my pages were in the travel niche. So I know the plug works particularly well with people in the meme niche and the satisfying niche, anything with a very general and you know relatively young audience i think the plug works best with so i don't have enough experience to answer that question maybe someone else can help you out with that you ever think about fully automating your agency in the future maybe even 10 to 15 years down the line um you know at the beginning this agency wasn't a passion project it was just an it was just a way to make money i'll be completely honest with you guys it was about the money but now i'm so invested in it it's really become more of a passion it's like my agency is my baby um, I think at this point, even I could hire someone to fully automate the process, but I don't want to do that. I really enjoy um, sort of being a pioneer in my space. I feel like I am. I know that's a little egotistical to say, but I really am enjoying the process at this point. 
Um, you know, eventually I probably will make it really passive, but at this point, I've just been so invested in it and I think I'm doing it better and differently. And I know so much about the industry that I really want to stick to it for a little bit, maybe automated in the future. Um, but I still want to play a role in it at the end of the day. It's still my company. So very proud of what I built and I would never want to take a full step back from it. I don't think. Should I start an accounting class at school? I'm already doing business and economics. I don't know if accounting is worth it. Great question, Dottie. Um, I took accounting classes when I did my business degree at the University of Central Florida. I hated it. I, I thought I thought accounting was so stupid. Um, the thing with accounting is, with the intro to accounting classes, you're not going to learn anything beyond the fundamentals. Like, just read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, to be honest with you. It's, it's just that very simple, very surface level of accounting that I learned. Um, obviously, I didn't major in accounting or anything like that. Um, I didn't learn enough accounting to not have to hire an accountant, and I don't think anyone who... Unless you're doing it full-time, I don't think you can do your own accounting, to be honest with you. You can do a personal budget sheet, and you can do personal finance stuff, but to do your own accounting for your business and stuff like that, just hire a tax professional. Um, I don't think accounting is worth it. Maybe taking it... I think we had to take a class. I think it is fundamental to understand how do expenses and revenues and things like that work, but really, at the end of the day, I use very few metrics to measure my business's financial success. It's like revenue, profit, cost per booking... Um, it's really simple. I don't use anything that I used in the upper level accounting classes that I did take. So I don't think it's all that important. If you don't have to take it, I wouldn't. I would just maybe read, just have a basic fundamental understanding of how those things work and you'll be fine, I believe. Um, okay, yeah, so Alvi uses later as well and they included a note. Yeah, that's what I thought as well, Alvi. Um, let's see. So this question says, if I'm not wrong, you outsource for different types of work in your social media marketing agency. How would you explain your job in your SMMA? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, at this point, you're right. I don't do any service delivery. Um, I'm not sitting there making Canva graphics. I'm not there setting up Facebook advertisements. What I work on now is mostly upper level business strategy and client relations. So I work as I, f I focus on team building. Um, I'm, I'm pretty much in this uh, managerial administrative role at this point. Um, I'm focusing on creative direction of the agency. I actually sit down with my designers and I try to figure out what kind of content should we make? Um, what has worked best historically? Of course, I'm using all my numbers and my Excel sheets to make informed decisions, but right now I focus primarily on closing new clients and maintaining the clients we already have. My job is just to focus on making that service better for them. Um, you know, everyone else does the service delivery, but I just focus on big strategy stuff and maintaining the clients and getting more clients. That's my job. I think that's all the questions we have for today. Um, I'll leave the call questions channel open for a little bit. I'll sit here. But I think if that's all we have today, we can end the call early. I have no problem with that. Um, but if you guys have any questions about Instagram, entrepreneurship, um, anything, just put it in the call questions channel. I have a little bit of time left with you guys, so be happy to spend it with you. I hope all the goal setters are working diligently towards their goals. The end of the month is coming up so quickly and school is starting soon. So I hope you guys have spent the summer really focused on doing things that move that needle forward. I hope your focus has been on those income producing activities at the end of the day. One of my favorite books. I love this question. Um, one of the books that I read actually this week, um, I posted it on my story on Instagram at the Ty Livesey, if you guys want to follow me. Um, one of my favorite books has been Essentialism by Greg McKeon, I believe is how you pronounce his name. Um, it's a great book about focusing on the things that matter. And that was actually the inspiration for this talk. Um, I, I recently read that and it was really enlightening all the things. He speaks allegorically, but he also speaks, it's not just theory. It's also how does this theory apply in practice? So I love that book, um, Dotcom Secrets. If you're anything in business and marketing, 
even if you're not in marketing and you're just in business, get a copy of Dotcom Secrets. Brilliant book. Um, Can't Hurt Me is a biography by David Goggins. Very popular. I think that's great. There's lots of little activities in that one. Um, he has you do things like uh, make an accountability mirror, which is where you put sticky notes in your mirror with your goals. And every day you have to face your accountability mirror and stay productive with it. I mean, there's lots of little activities like that in the accountability mirror or in, in that book that I think are really impactful. How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie is a great book. The Catalyst by Joan Berger. Um, a friend actually just gave me this book called um, Einstein's Dreams. And it's not a business book, but it's, it's been a really interesting read so far. Um, talks a lot about relativity and time. It's basically things that Einstein has wrote down and they've extrapolated these theories and it talks about some of these. It's, it's not super in-depth. It's not super dense. Um, great read if you guys are looking for something more creative. How much do you charge per client currently? Yeah, so for per client, it's between 300 and actually have a client who's closer to that $3,000 per month mark. That's our largest client that we've ever signed. Um, most of the clients that we get now are on those small $300 to $450 retainers, and then we upsell them on Facebook ads in month two or three, which is where we can double or triple the retainers. The idea is that we work with real estate agents to create a cost-effective solution to their marketing um, to regenerate them more leads comprehensively at a price they can afford. So, and that, that's been another big thing. I think a lot of the, the model that everyone is doing right now is broken or wrong. Um, so many people expect to get in one call with someone they've cold message, um, pitch a service for $1,000 a month and close them in a day. Like it doesn't work like that. You have to probably start smaller with a smaller ticket offer. Like I said, 300 to 450 per month. Um, it's going to take a lot of time, a lot of relationship building. It's not as easy as the gurus make it out to be. But to answer the question concisely, 300 to 450 a month is what we typically take clients on as. It depends on the packages. Some clients do need different things. So we do we do custom build those packages at this point still. Do you have multiple different services? For example, only Facebook ads here and maybe IG management there for different costs and packages. Yeah, so great question. Um, we do custom build all of our packages. We do have a rough template that shows us pretty much where to start. Um, what we need to do. Uh, basically, we sell the same thing to everyone as an intro offer. We don't ever, ever sell Facebook ads to someone we've just signed because they're not going to convert if we haven't taken the time to do the research and create that content like we talked about doing earlier. Um, we, we do do different things like that. Mostly we do management. We do a little bit of growth, but that's a part of the package. And then the Facebook ads, we upsell at month three. So we do do different services um, and we do custom build these packages because not every real estate agent needs a domain or a booking page. Some of them have different marketing structures already in place and we don't want to intrude on that. And that's why I said it's between 300 and 450 a month um, because we're all selling the same thing. It's mostly content marketing. Um, and then that slew of that offer. I, I mean, I didn't even explain the entire offer on this call. I'll pull it up really quick and I'll give you guys a quick rundown of what that looks like because there are, I believe, eight different things that we're offering right now. Um, give me just one second, I'll pull it up because I think it is truly valuable. Um, okay, here it is. Okay, so the different things that we offer is we're buying domains for our clients if they don't already have one. We're doing content marketing, which is creating social media graphics. We're setting up Google My Business. We're creating blog posts that our clients can give, or they're like articles actually. Our clients can give them to their prospects. So basically these articles that you would find really informative and educational if you're trying to buy a house and that positions our clients as authority figures. We're giving those to our clients and white labeling them so it makes it look like they wrote the article um, and has the call to action to book a call with them. We're making, we're making link trees. You guys are all familiar with that, I'm sure. Um, Calendly, which is those booking pages. 
Um, we're doing messaging automation. So when people actually message our clients on Facebook, or Instagram, there's a system that they go through and they have to qualify themselves. So it basically asks them, are you looking to buy or sell a home? Um, in which areas are you looking to buy or sell your home or move to? Um, do you, it, there's a bunch of questions on these messaging automations that help us qualify these leads. So we're basically handing our real estate agents a list of name, phone number, and everything we know about this prospect. So we're generating them leads, qualifying those leads, and then with the articles and things like that, helping them close the leads. I also talked about business card redesign. Um, we're working on bu building out these business cards that have QR codes, and when you scan the QR codes, it takes them directly to a booking page. So they can book a meeting in with that real estate agent directly from the business card, which I think is pretty unique. I haven't seen a whole lot of that. Um, and we're also looking to potentially start sending housewarming gifts on the client's behalfs. A lot of the time when you hire a real estate agent and they help you move into your new home, they will live, they'll give you a gift when you move into the house. Um, lots of different things. I've seen like they'll give you speakers or they'll stock your fridge with all sorts of snacks for when you move into your new house. Um, but we want to start automating that process for our agents because that takes time. It takes time and it takes money. So if we can say, hey, um, just give us this much per month, um, depending on how many clients you sell, obviously, and we'll, we'll handle it. We'll send them all these gifts um, on your behalf. So there's a lot of different things that we tied into the offer now that weren't originally part of that. And that's what really changes that price point on there. Um, but that's, again, something that creatively we've done different than other agencies. I don't know any other agency that does half those things. So um, I hope that's valuable to you. How do you price your media growth and content retainers? How do you price your media growth and content retainers? So great question, Dottie. Um, as standard, we typically do a little bit of follow for follow on client accounts. The aim is to get them between like 50 and 100 followers a month. So it's not as aggressive as a dedicated growth service. The idea is just to give us some valuable numbers to give them some organic growth that pushes them in the right direction and makes them look more qualified. This is more relevant for some pages than others because we found that historically, if a client has more than a certain number of followers, they're more likely to get bought from. Um, so that is something that we sometimes work to do. Um, and again, that's going to depend on the client. Um, a lot of the times that 300 to 450 is pretty arbitrary. Where the price really adds up is when we get onto domains and Calendly. If they need a domain, we also set up Google Business. So we obviously have them cover the cost of that, but they pay directly through us. So that is really the big price point changer on that. Um, content retainers, it's pretty much 15 pieces of content, and that typically runs you about 300 a month. Um, for the 15 pieces of content, plus a bunch of those other small things like the messaging automations, the link tree, um, the Calendly. We do the free Calendly right now, but some of our agents have wanted or they have an expressed desire to get them booked, um, like the premium Calendly, the one that's $8 a month. So if they want that, obviously it's going to be a little bit more. But um, those are the main things that change the price point. Okay, here's a question. Ty, I'm scared of doing outreach, I've realized, which is why I feel procrastinate and focus on other things. Any advice? Also. How would I get over the fear of not being able to produce results for content creation clients? Okay, those are all great questions. And I think those are a lot of the same fears that, a lot of the same fears that I faced when I started my agency. I didn't really know what to do. I had never gotten a call with these business owners. I kind of pictured every business owner as being like a Grant Cardone or a Gary Vee or like a Gordon Ramsay. Like they're going to yell at me a lot and it was going to be terrible. To be honest with you, business owners at the end of the day are people. Um, something that we're all bound together by is that we're all these over-evolved monkeys. Uh, as funny as that sounds, I mean, we're all very similar in our wants and needs and what we're responsive to and receptive to. So at the end of the day, just realize that these people are at the end of the day, just people. 
they're doing the same thing that you're doing. So I, I, I know that works better on a conceptual level. That advice is completely worthless to you unless you can really embody it. And it's easier said than done. But as you get in calls with these people and you try different things, you'll find that they are just, they're just people. They're not scary people at all. They're just normal people. Um, how do you get over the fear of not being able to produce results for content creation clients? The best way to do this is to hire a graphic designer. Um, I did a lot of the service delivery at the beginning of my agency, but once I hired a graphic designer, I was able to leverage their results and experience to one, create a better quality of work, free up more of my time. So at the end of the day, it comes down to having faith in your team and hiring the correct graphic designer off Upwork. Um, if you can hire a designer and Upwork, um, and you can, uh, oh my gosh, I just lost my train of thought. If you can hire a designer um, your life will be so much easier because they're going to be able to do a better job as long as you work closely with the designer to really perfect that idea. At this point, we've done it so often that um, our designers pretty much know exactly what's going on. We have a system built out to pretty much do this very effectively and efficiently. Um, yeah, no, that's and that's a very legitimate fear. Um, I, I've never wanted to waste a client's money for sure. Um, and we set the expectation with our agents that we shouldn't expect to see any results until month three, four, five, six. So setting that expectation up front, being very crystal clear that a lot of the results come at the end of the month. Um, there's, a, there's a million different ways. At this point, it's just an experience curve because I've done this enough times that I know we're going to be successful. But if you're just doing content creation, the only metric for success is that you have created graphic designs. And I think that's why social media management is a great service to offer because there is no KPIs for that really. The only KPIs you set for that are like engagement and followers and stuff like that. And everyone here in this service can help you get followers and engagement. That's a very easy thing to do. So um, if you're doing content creation and social media management, that shouldn't be a problem. I think it'll be 100% fine with something like that. Um, but if you're doing something like Facebook ads or any data-driven uh, return on investment sort of service, then hire a freelancer who has proven results and work closely with that freelancer to deliver the best results. Um, a lot of the times we do have a money back guarantee if we don't get the results that we promise our clients, we promise to give them their money back. Like I said, at this point, we've done it so much that it hasn't become a problem. Um, at this point, it's, if you can hire, you can buy your way to success is one way that I think is the approach I would take for this. Um, you can hire a great graphic designer, a great media buyer. You can hire people to help you do this effectively. Um, and I think you'll be fine, to be honest with you. Yeah, no, I get that. It has to do with confidence in yourself because you've never done it before. Um, so my advice to you then, maybe just start with something you're familiar with and comfortable with. Like I said, I started just with Instagram growth and consulting. Um, at the very start of my journey, that was all I focused on. I got really good at it. I grew some accounts. Um, and I was, I was confident in my ability to do the same for my followers or for my clients rather. So start with a service that you maybe are very familiar with. If that's social media growth, if you're doing Instagram growth, that's something everyone in the server should be able to do very easily, very effectively. I can give, I, the other day I gave someone in my mentorship program, or not my mentorship program, um, a course that I'm in, or a program that I'm in, um, I talked to them and I gave them a 20 minute rundown on how to grow Instagram accounts and they're doing it effectively. It doesn't take that much time or effort to learn how to do something like that well. So if you don't know how to do that, very easy to learn how to do it. Um, but I think a lot of people here do know how to do it. And I think that we could all do it very effectively. So start with something that you know how to do then and then build your confidence off that and then scale up. What happens if you have a client and your plan is not working after a long period of time? And how do you overcome the fear of this? At the end of the day, um, my agency is very client centric. We, we aren't out to make money. At the end of the day, as crazy as that sounds, we are focused on delivering a superior service. So if that come if it comes to that point, I would say, look, we need to we need to talk about this. And I've, I've let clients go in the past before. It's happened. 
It's There have been instances where I can't get them the results that I promised them. And I say, look, I, I just can't stomach working with you anymore. If we can't get you great results, I don't want to work with you at all. So a lot of that just has to be, a lot of that is just about being a good business owner um, and just being very oriented around your customers, being obsessed with your customers. It's something that Amazon and Jeff Bezos do very well. Um, no matter what you think politically about the company, Jeff Bezos has been obsessed with the customer experience. And because he's done that, he's created this mega empire that everyone, everyone in the U.S. pretty much uses Amazon. It's huge. So the way he does that is by doing superior customer service. He can do things that no other company can in terms of deliverability, efficiency, um, and customer service. I mean, if you want a refund on anything from Amazon, they're not going to tell you no. It's very easy to get refunds on Amazon. And I think that's one of the things that we've tried to take inspiration from is being very customer-centric um, and doing everything in our power to either deliver superior results or give them their money back and, you know, apologize if we can't. Yeah, I've had to refund clients before. Um, yeah, it's happened before. Um, typically, and that's that's the nice thing about why we set the expectation for three to four to six months before you start getting results is because we don't drop clients before that point uh, because at that point we haven't run any Facebook ads. There's a lot of things that we can do at that point to step in and sort of change the direction that we're going in. So if it's, we, we, we set time to make it so we have plenty of time for our team to adjust and make changes if we need to. And that's what really mitigates this. It doesn't happen a whole lot. We don't give a whole lot of refunds because we're very careful about the offers we extend. We don't ever sign a client that we don't think we can get results from. So that's a part of it as well, but also just being very mindful the whole time and having that time set to sit down, evaluate and pivot if we need to, it's been really what's allowed us to mitigate that risk. So yeah, exactly for Jax, um, what Albie said there, run and grow theme pages first, if you haven't already, the same skills you apply to business pages. So you can, if you can grow theme pages, you'll be great. Absolutely. I mean, that was, like I said, right at the beginning of this call, my experience was I had started running my theme pages. I had been pretty successful with it. I shared my, my experience with and then people wanted to hire me. So if you can learn how to do that effectively, you'll be golden. Um, it's 11 o'clock right now, guys. So if no one else has any other questions, I think we'll be good for today. Um, I'll leave the, the call questions channel open for a little bit. I'm going to pause the recording here. Um, but thank you guys all so much for coming to this call. Really do appreciate everyone's time. Um, again, follow me on Instagram at the TheTyLivesy. Um, and I'll see you guys next week. Same time, same place. 10 a.m. Eastern time in the Instagram theme page Discord. Uh, thank you guys so much. Have a good week. I hope it's productive. I hope you're all moving towards our goal, and I will see you next week.